1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And by the help of the Lord for just a few minutes this morning, I want to preach to us on this subject, a living hope. Would you turn to your neighbor and just look at them and tell them a living hope? And God bless you. You may be seated. <laughs> Thankfully, we stand again at the beginning of a new year. God's brought us through. Regardless of what last year may have been for some of us to various degrees, we're here. God's kept us. And we stand at the onset of a brand new slate, a new year. To be sure, none of us were immune from the expected and not so unexpected challenges that uh, we confronted to various degrees in 2021. And I'm not here this morning to deny or to dismiss the unrelenting pressure and problems that still continue to confront many of us and no doubt all of us as we navigate this year. But as we march into 2022, I've just come to submit to us this morning as children of God that we should not approach this year with dread, despair, or doubt, but that we should instead march into 2022 as children of God and we should confront the challenges and we should endure the sufferings and we should embrace the possibilities that are before us, not with trepidation or fear, but with hope. A hope that is a living hope that is anchored in the blessed assurance of who our God is, of what he has done, and what he shall yet do. This is our hope this morning. It's not just me trying to psych you out into continuing on in those New Year's resolutions which statistics would say many are already crashing and burning. It's not me trying to help you simply feel better this morning in the onslaught of negativity and chaos that bombards us at every angle whatever your favorite means immediate may be. But this morning I'm talking about the assuring message of the eternally established word of God that you and I can live with a hope that is eternal and secure. Here Paul's brief but very encapsulating prayer for the first century Roman Christians. In Romans 15 and 13, Paul prayed, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God that you and I today and every day forward would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Similarly, this is the message of Peter in his first epistle to those first century Christians who were facing challenges no less intense than the challenges that you and I can and may face even in the 21st century. Peter greets his congregation, Christians that are spread across the known world. And he speaks unto them and writes to them in verse 2. And he describes them as being elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit 
for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Now before we move on any further in Peter's directions to us, it would be wise for us to consider the truth and the wonder that is packed in that single verse. That God chose you and I. We did not choose him and we certainly did not deserve his goodness in his life. But as Paul would write to the Ephesians, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us unto himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. This is the hope that we have that before we were, we were chosen. While we were still a sinner caught in the ugliness of our sins, we were still chosen. We were chosen by God, made possible that we could be a part of his church. He made it possible that you and I could respond by faith and be born again. Water and spirit. Peter also in that same verse lets us know that God continues his sanctifying work in us through his abiding spirit. Paul would say likewise to the Philippians for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Thirdly, Peter lets us know in this single verse that it is through our obedience in repentance and our obedience in water baptism in Jesus' name that we have been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would say in just a few verses and describe it this way, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This is the power of the gospel. This is the description of the redeemed that we were chosen and we were sanctified and because of our obedience that we have been washed and made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, like Jesus and like many of the other New Testament writers, Peter knew that as good as that verse was, you and I probably needed another one. It'd be nice if he could have just written one verse and we memorize it and it'd be sufficient to carry us through the day, but some of us are a little hard-headed and as Brother Brandon said, even intimidating (laughs) while offering a free lunch. I know not what else to offer but free stuff. It didn't work. Amen. Fortunately, his wife's a counselor, so he survived the trauma. But more than one of us are hard-headed. And it would be good if one verse would be enough, but God somehow understood us, and so he gives us another and another 
and the repetition of the Bible to enforce within us who we are, who he is. And so Peter kept writing. Verse 2 wasn't enough. So verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. It's at the risk of sounding redundant, but Peter took that risk. And it's really in alignment with all of Scripture that our salvation is a big deal. That you are saved from your sins is not an insignificant matter. That there is never a day that you and I should not be overwhelmed with humble adoration. That before we ever were, he made possible that we could be like him. That he became like us. That he took on humanity. That he walked in our shoes. That he endured everything that we would face. Yet without sin. And he did so. So that you and I could triumph. So that you and I could live. So that you and I could be resurrected from the deadness of our sins. That is our hope. And in that we rejoice. And in that we celebrate. And yes I'm circling back around. But it's what the Bible does over and over and over. Because when you walk out those doors. And when life slaps you in the face and when fear taunts you and when condemnation raises its ugly head and tries to intimidate you out of God's purpose you need to know without a shadow of a doubt I am chosen, I am purchased I am loved, I have meaning I have value and I am begotten as a son of God this is our hope as Titus, as Paul as Paul would write Titus, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, which we know includes repentance and baptism from the word of God and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So no wonder that Peter kept writing, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see this morning as we shout and as we sing and as we honor our great God, we are not desperately clinging to the manifesto of a martyred hero. We are not desperately clinging to the musings of a dead philosopher. Instead, we have been born again into a living hope, a living hope that is anchored in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, a living hope that is anchored in the reality of the resurrection, a living hope that is anchored in the eternal reward of spending forever in a place called heaven. Further, the God who saved us and thought we were worth saving also thinks we are worth keeping. As Paul told the Philippian Christians, I am certain that God, who began the, began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is our living hope. 
that our God is sovereign, that He rules and reigns over the affairs of men and women, and nothing is impossible to Him. In this is our hope that dry palms will rattle and will live again. In this is our hope that we have been washed and born again. No wonder Paul would write, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. No wonder that Peter continued to write into verse 6, and he would say, In this our living hope, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This morning, this day, as we look forward and navigate and move into 2022, we look unto Jesus and we live with expectant hope and bold faith. Looking into Jesus, we can live with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, there'll be problems. Yes, there'll be unexpected challenges. Yes, you'll face some trials. Yes, there'll be temptations that come to derail you. But through our Lord Jesus Christ, we do not have to surrender to our problems. We do not have to capitulate to the chaos and confusion of our surrounding culture. Instead, as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we can live persuaded in whom we can believe. We can live with a confidence that we know who we believe in. We can live with the hope that our God rules and our God reigns. We can live in the confidence as Paul would declare. What shall we say about such wonderful things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? So let's not whimper and crawl into a new year. But let us march into a new year with holy boldness, expectant hope, and inexpressible joy. Let us pursue the miraculous possibilities of God's work in us and what God will do through us. Let us embrace the mission of seeking and saving the lost. Let us live with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Let us never not one day forget to look back at the miraculous works of our God. But let us also never not one day fail to look forward at what God is yet to do. Let us believe that he will indeed turn our mourning into dancing. That he will turn our depression into delight. That he will turn our loss into gain. That he will make our weakness become strength. That he will turn confusion into clarity. He will make anxiety give way to peace. And he will turn sacrifice into abundance. This is our living hope. Our God is able to do anything. Just ask Moses who watched the Red Sea of impossibility part. Just ask David who watched a single stone crush 
the score of Goliath. Just ask Daniel who saw the mouths of starving lions shut. Just ask the woman with the issue of blood who was instantly made whole. Just ask Jairus who watched his daughter rise from the dead. Just ask the demonic who was delivered of a legion of demons. This is our living hope. It's not unmoored from reality. It's not a mystical fairy tale. It is the expectant faith and trust in who our God is and what he has done and what he shall do. And if God be for us and if God paid the price at Calvary and if God climbed to Calvary's hill and was buried and if God rose from the dead and if God ascended and if God gave a promise and if God filled me with his spirit and if God put his name on my life and if God would forgive me then he is able to keep me and he is able to bring me home and some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air this is our living hope thank you Jesus thank you Jesus And this is the living hope that we commemorate and we celebrate today when we receive communion. We look back and we remember the sacrifice of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. How he silently suffered the taunting, the beatings, and the humiliation of the cross. How he willingly laid himself down on the cross with all of heaven's angel armies waiting his command. How he, our Lord, disregarded the disgrace of the crucifixion for the joy of you and I saying yes. We remember what Jesus did and we remember that he did it all for you and he did it for me he did it for our spiritual our emotional our mental our physical healing and wholeness he did it Amen. for you and he did it for me but while we look back in remembrance we look forward in anticipation to what God will do as John would write in his first letter, chapter 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. John would write later near the end of his revelation of Jesus. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared 
herself. Today, we reverently remember the Last Supper while joyfully anticipating the Marriage Supper. That's what we do in communion. We're about to receive communion. Again, if you do not have a communion cup or wafer or you're at home, this would be the time you'd want to get that or to prepare to receive communion here today. You can lift your hand and the ushers will bring that to you. Before we do receive communion, however, it is important that we heed Paul's instructions. For he said, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of, G of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we pause today to examine our own hearts. No one can do it for you. It is between you and the Lord. But it is time to be sure to repent of sin, to embrace a reverent attitude before God, and to be sure that you have reconciled unresolved conflict. Certainly there should not be bitterness or aught towards a fellow Christian so that you can genuinely discern the Lord's body, the church. So would you join me and let's pray together and prepare ourselves to receive and to celebrate our God. Lord, I thank you today, God, for the living hope that is anchored in who you are and what you have done and what you will do. Today, Lord God, we remember, God, that last supper, your broken body, your shed blood. God, we're moved and we're overwhelmed by gratitude. Words fail to adequately express, God, what it means that you would die for us. But Lord, today, God, our hope is not merely in what was done in the past. Our hope is in what that has made possible in the future. Lord God, that we will spend forever with you when we are obedient to your word. So God, as we prepare to celebrate and commemorate that, we prepare our hearts. We ask you, Lord, that you would search us and know us. You would know our anxious thoughts, that you would point out anything in us that offends you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would bring memory right now of anything, God, that we should, God, reconcile with you in repentance. I pray, Lord, that if there's anything in our heart towards a brother or sister, that we would, God, reconcile first before taking the cup as you had instructed us, God. For we want to, God, reverently discern your body, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence that we feel right now. Thank you for the tangible visitation of your glory as we celebrate your glory today. And as we've examined our hearts together, we are ready to receive communion together as the body of Christ. I'll give instructions from 1 Corinthians. Give time for those who are joining us online. If you want to prepare to receive the wafer, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, 
he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now let us eat the bread, the symbol of the broken body of Jesus Christ. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me now let's drink the juice the symbol of the shed blood of Jesus Christ Paul said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come again. Would you now rejoice in the God of your salvation? Jesus paid it all. Every excuse every voice of condemnation, every lying thought of hell that would seek to tell you you are of no value, that you have no worth, that you've gone too far, that you've done too much, your addiction's too strong, your delusion's too, too wrapped into your But the blood of Jesus is greater than every deception, every delusion, every addiction, every sin. Jesus paid it all. And because of the blood of Jesus, we have a hope that is eternal have a hope that is sure. If you're able, please stand. You can pass your empty communion cup to these three middle aisles. The ushers will come to collect them right now. If you'll just pass your communion cup to the three middle aisles, the ushers will receive those. We look back in remembrance that Jesus paid it all. But we look forward to what Jesus has purchased, our eternal home. And in communion we see nothing but Jesus Christ. That He is our salvation. He is our healer. He is our miracle worker. He is our peace giver. He is our guide. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is our living hope.